This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Charles Hall with us. Um, he's a, a friend of mine. Um, we actually met on, on the job site. Um, we knew I knew that there was just something different about Charles. And as the more we got talking, um, the more I realized that he had the same experiences or similar experiences that I've had. Um, so uh, I just want to introduce him and have him tell us a little bit about yourself. So Charles, why don't you just... Uh, Greet our listeners and just tell them a little bit about maybe your background. Tell them uh, where you pastor now uh, and your ministry. What's going on in your ministry today? Well, it's a joy to be here, Brandon. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I am the lead pastor at New Life Community Church in South Montville, Maine. Uh, I've been there just over five years. It is my fourth church. Uh, I pastored for six and a half years in East Machias and three years in South Orland. And then uh, six and a half years prior to this pastorate in uh, Belfast, Maine. Uh, I recently just returned from a missions trip to a short term missions trip to uh, Kenya, where I visited uh, seven or eight little um, uh, villages. Uh, I was in Eldoret was where I was uh, at primarily. And then, uh, each day we would travel two to three hours north and west, and uh, we just had a wonderful, wonderful time. It was one of the most awesome experiences of my life. Uh, Brandon, you told me we were going to talk about uh, the calling to the ministry, and and uh, it just it's one of those situations where I was taught as a kid growing up uh, that the call had to be experiential. Uh, it's just not something you decide to do, and having served as uh, an overseer for a small district, I, I uh, would often have these conversations with aspiring young ministers, and some of them not so young, just aspiring, you know. And uh, basically, uh, one of the first things that I would ask is, tell me about your call to the ministry. And uh, I've had everything from things that were fantastic uh, to things that were uh, just, well, you know, it sounds like a, it sounds like a good job to have. And uh, I just, I want to tell you, I was taught and I firmly believe that we need an experiential call to the ministry, a, uh, an experience that happens to us that unequivocally creates an anchor point in our lives so that when ministry time gets tough, we have that anchor point to go back to and say, no, God's the one that called me the ministry. He's the one that has equipped me. Uh, for this, not saying that we shouldn't equip ourselves. I think Bible college is very important. I think that, you know, educating ourselves, ardent Bible study, uh, a heavy dependency on the Holy Spirit, I think is absolutely imperative. And I'm sure we're going to talk more about this uh, as we as we go on. So I don't want to take up a whole bunch of time just talking about me. But it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to talking about this today. Awesome. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. So, now, really, we're ju- I just want to open um, with uh, Matthew chapter 22. Um, and we'll just, well, I'll just read. I guess I'll just start it. We'll just start at 1 and then we'll roll down to um, verse 14. 
Uh, so Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, which has made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they that would not come. Again he sent forth another servants, other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, for the oxen and my fatling are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage, but they made light of it. And went their way, one to his farm, one to his, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed the murderers, and burned up the city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Yes. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw that there was a man who had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then, so verse 14, this is really the focal point of this conversation. For many are called, but few are chosen. So really, what I want to do is sort of maybe pick your brain a little bit, um, and see if we're on the same page of what what is Jesus trying to convey here in this portion of Scripture? It, it, as far as being called, because it says, For many are called, but few are chosen. So what is the difference, first of all, uh, between the call and being called and being chosen? It's a great question. I mean, this, this again, Jesus is speaking in parables. He's talking, he's trying to use this, uh, this uh, simple story to convey a, a larger truth. And, and uh, in this particular situation, I think it's really more speaking about a, a general call out to uh, say humanity. And, and, uh, and, and I think it's interesting that the call went forth, but we find that many of them they make light of that, mm. uh, and I think that happens all too often. Uh, I think we live in a very Christian esque society, and I think that's very dangerous because we can be out on the street and you can ask somebody, you know, well, what religion are you? And they'll say, well, I'm Christian. Um, really, what makes you a Christian? You know, why have, have did you just decide that that was going to be your religion, or is that what you grew up in? And and I'm asking these questions, you know, in this talk. But these are many of the responses that I have gotten. Uh, that well, you know, my parents were Christian, and where did they go to church? You know, oh, we never really went to church. 
So what we see in our society is very, very dangerous uh, because uh, here we have in the word of God uh, a perfect example in this parable of the Lord saying, listen, I want to bid you all Mm. uh, to the marriage supper of the lamb. Essentially, if we go if we go futuristically with it, um, he wants he wants to bring all of humanity in his fold but there's so many that make light of it and because they make light of it and there becomes this this uh problem uh and and uh, this this can cause us such uh trouble because here we start to get into the theological distinctives of someone who has given their lives to christ has uh, followed him in baptism and has uh, chosen to uh, join themselves to uh, a local body of believers so that they can grow and that they can learn, they can be equipped also to do the ministry that God has called them to do. I, I think sometimes as we open, you know, I I think about the call to the ministry. I'm in pulpit ministry and my passion is to preach the gospel. Uh, I, I probably love that more than anything else. And just in my own experience, uh, I, I begged the Lord to call me into the ministry. As I said, I was taught that you have to have an experiential call to the ministry. And uh, I remember uh, it, was a, it was a fall night in 1987. Uh, I was, had been saved for about uh, two years. And I was saying, God, I don't know what it's going to take, but I really want to preach the gospel there's something about that for me it wasn't about the notoriety it wasn't about the the glitz or the glamour if you will that that so many people think comes with it uh i remember (laughs) one of my best friends at the time when i first when i took my first church and uh he says well what are they paying you i said well not much and it wasn't much it was only a couple of hundred dollars a week and he says you get a couple hundred dollars to go in there and talk for a half hour really and he had no concept of all of what goes with a pastorate. And and uh, so my call to the ministry uh, was on a Wednesday night. It was actually three days after I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And we had Brother Wendell Hill was speaking that particular night. And and uh, I, I'll never I'll never forget. I, I couldn't tell you today, Brandon, what he what he even preached about. I have no clue. It might have been very scripture, <laughs> but I honestly couldn't tell you. But I knew that night I was so hungry to do something for God. And and uh, he gave a call for those that uh, were, were seeking the call to the ministry. And I immediately, I just I felt the presence of God. I went forward. And uh, here is my experiential call uh, because... Uh, is a fantastic call. People dream of stuff like this, but this is what happened to me. Brother Wendell Hill, great big black man, burly fellow, strong preacher, hard holiness preacher. Uh, he came uh, uh, right up behind me. He put his, I call it his bear paw. He put his bear paw on the back of, uh, of, of my back there, in the center of my back, and he just began to pray over me and began to spill over in the spirit. And I could hear everything in English. I could hear him speaking in tongues, but I could also hear English to where God was interpreting that into my ear uh, or into my spirit. And the Lord called me that night to preach and to teach. And it was such a phenomenal thing. 
see, unfortunately, when we look at scriptures like this, uh, let me. I'm sorry, let me say it this way. When the general populace, even of the church, sadly, look at scriptures like this, um, we get this this uh, misunderstanding because it's wrapped in a parable and we don't always understand all of those little nuances that are being said. And, and uh, if I could say anything, uh, my call to the ministry didn't really uh, completely happen there. This was something that I aspired to the day that I would save a Rustic Pentecostal tabernacle and, and uh, I knew that God's hand was on my life for something, and I really started seeking after that call. When that happened that night, I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, and that's my anchor point. Whenever I, whenever I begin to doubt something, I go back to those moments, my salvation experience, the, the time when I was baptized. Uh, I go back to my anchor point of, of being called into the ministry with this experience that, that is really like no other that I've ever heard. Um, and I talk to people in light of scriptures like this. And, and in the question that you're asking, what's the difference between being called and being chosen? Well, I think in this, there's a general call that goes out to all of humanity. God loves us and he wants us part of his fold. But he says few are chosen because so many, Brandon, they don't go on to this deepening walk mm. with God. They just think it's going to be this uh neat little thing where hey i belong to this church and these people are my friends and and uh i'll tell you in my third church my youth pastor did a wonderful uh uh kind of experiment uh the church at the time was running about 220 ish i'm going to say around there and he says pastor i want to do this i'm just curious you know what do you think your responsibility is as a christian and you know what we got this is what we got. We need to come to church on Sunday, and we need to pay our tithe. That's all people sought, and that was that was a predominant. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 83 percent wow. of the congregation thought that's what they were supposed to do as a Christian. But as a Christian, we're supposed to have that awesome walk with God. We're supposed to experience uh, ongoing relationship, and I mean intimate relationship. Times of prayer, times in the Word where Stuff just comes off the page and speaks to you and gives you life-changing experiences. My goodness, I could go into so many things. I think I think of the Apostle Paul. Here was a man, well, while he was yet Saul of Tarsus, here was a man who uh, he went after the church. He tried to raise her to the ground. He was constantly uh, getting uh, Christians and putting them in jail or getting them arrested. Uh, and yet he had one awesome personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And then you think of just that. We take a, if I'm not mistaken, I think you just take a half a chapter back where God begins to talk to Ananias uh, and tells Ananias, listen, I need you to go into this this place and find one Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias was, oh, hold on, Lord. I've heard of this guy. He's killing us. What are we doing? Jesus had such a love for Saul of Tarsus, even while he was still in sin, that he sent a, a man to prophetically speak into Saul's life. And, and we remember what he says, Brother Saul, the Lord has sent me, you yeah. know, to pray for you so that you'll receive your sight and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and 
you know, if we go, if we go back to what Saul's response to Jesus was on the road, he said, Lord, what will you have me do? At that moment, he knew that Jesus was real. That's part of the job uh, of the Holy Spirit to convince us that we're in sin and to convince us that a, a better life is possible. Uh, and and that's exactly what happened. And herein, I think, lies the real difference between the many that are called and the few that are chosen. Because I believe that call goes out universally to every single human being. God has a special, unique love for each one of us. He's made us so intricate, so different, so unique from one another. And yet, uh, he has a specific and perfect plan for each one of our lives. That includes some purpose. Uh, books have been written about it. I, I, what's the guy's name that talked uh, the purpose-driven life? Uh, whole books have been written about God has a purpose for you. A simple little outreach plan. God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's another one that, that people use um, uh, in order to, to share their faith with someone. And I think all of those things are fine. I don't think anyone is right and anyone is wrong. I just think it deals with our specific uh, ability and what God has, has shown to us. Uh, and for me, this is what this passage really ends up uh, talking about. And and uh, I, I fear, and I use this term because it is a term I have used for many years now in my ministry. I fear the Christian-esque population uh, within the church who think that, hey, you know, I, I said a prayer one day, I'm going to go. And, and, but, but sometime between uh, that experience and the present day, their lives haven't changed. You see, God loves us. He loves us too much to leave us where we were, and yeah. he wants to call us closer to him. It's an ever-unfolding relationship. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I, and, I, and I think really this is what you're saying is the call, obviously the call, and I agree, it goes out to everybody. You know, God is saying, because there were some that were, as we're reading this passage, there were some that just, they said no. They just weren't interested yeah. at all. They said no. I and then there were those that said, well, and they just made light of it. They just, it wasn't a big deal to them. It wasn't a weighty matter in their lives, which we see all across the spectrum of uh, Christianity today. And then, uh, you know, he, he just goes and gets people who feel honored, right? They, they, they feel honored. And, and they fear the, the king. They, they fear him enough that when they show up, they, they were invited. They said, wow, this is an incredible honor. And they showed up in their wedding garments. But then we have the one that showed up. He wasn't wearing his, he, he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. And uh, so he was probably along the same lines of those people, or maybe he was even one of those people that made light of it. And, uh, and so, really, if, if we really boil it down to, to, to really bare minimum, you know, down to the brass tacks, it would be that the call goes forth and you either obey it. And so, really, the difference is obedience to God's word. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, really, even it comes... We can even back this off, Brandon, to initial salvation. You know, when a person makes a profession of faith or a person like in my particular situation, I think this is it's, it's kind of 
uh, interesting. When I was saved, I was saved on July 22nd, 1985 at uh, uh, Whited Bible Camp. And and uh, I'll never forget the night because the man, he it was as though, his name was Claude Hood. He preached a message entitled The Comeback of a Champion. Now, my particular background, I this is going to sound crazy, but it's, I just got to tell you, it's me. <laughs> Uh, I I was a tremendous wrestling fan as a kid growing up. Watched pro wrestling with my dad. My dad took my my myself and my brother to wrestling matches across the river in, in New Brunswick, uh, and and I just I fell in love with it. Of course, the, in those days, you didn't realize that it was staged in an act and things such right. as that. But I was totally mesmerized by this whole thing, and I always had this dream of you know becoming a champion or something like that. And then I got involved in the martial art of judo as as a 12-year-old kid. I did it for seven and a half years. I was very successful. I held two state titles, two New England championships. And for me, that was a uh, a step closer to that feeling. I mean, I'd, I'd won championships. I went into tournaments as a defending champion uh, and won some and lost some. It was just the way it worked, you know. Um, but when I got there that night, and I mean – I'm really fast forwarding through all the ways that God was dealing with me. I grew up in a Christian home, but just being honest, I hated church. I did not want to be there. I mean, every time I went there, I felt bad. Well, that was because the Holy Spirit was trying to convince me, Charles, as a young teenage boy, there's you, there's a better you that I want to bring it to. Right. You know, and I think so many of what you have read here in this passage of scripture, the ones that made light of it, even the ones that, that uh, uh, took and, and did the things that, that they did when they when they uh, took his servants and, and, and treated them spitefully, the scripture tells us, uh, and, and ended up murdering. I mean, that's just who uh, thinks like that, you know. But but uh, but this is this was the world, and this really is the world at large. And so uh, the Lord was trying to get my attention uh, to those things, and so. Uh, you know, that night when he, he and our, I remember the passage of scripture it was in the book of Luke, it was the prodigal son story. And I had been running from God because I was raising, I went to Christian school, Brandon. I mean, I could quote scripture, even to this day, Psalm 1, blessed are, is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. I, I mean, I remember memorizing that in first grade okay i mean and it has stuck with me all these years i could tell a person how to get saved i knew about baptism i understood you know different theological perspectives as a teenage kid because i was i went to school you know i went to christian school but here was the difference i made light of it and it wasn't real in my life mm. well the the night that pastor hood uh uh preached that message i literally hung my head in my lap and all I could do was cry and say these words, God, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that keep people from a real relationship with God is simple doubt. And, and uh, until they have that experience, again, that was another experience for me that was so real and so very biblical where the Holy Spirit finally showed me my need uh, that I needed a savior, that I was lost in sin. And I knew, here was the thing, I knew that I was lost in sin. But you see, again, like these people, I made light of it 
And, and, uh, until that moment, I mean, literally I felt like God just grabbed me and said, you listen to me. And through the course of the preaching of that message, uh, I came to the realization that I needed a savior, that I needed Christ in my life. Yeah. And, uh, I, I raised my head. There was my Sunday school standing, my Sunday school teacher standing at the altar and he just, he looked right at me and he just went like this and signaled me forward. And uh, at that point I knew I'm going to give my life to Jesus tonight. That's what's going to happen. Because for the first time in my life, he was real. Yeah. And I feel like the calling, obviously, you know, when I was talking about what we were going to discuss, the calling into ministry, uh, I was referring to pulpit ministry specifically. Um, but obviously I recognize that there are different parts of the body of Christ. Everybody serves a different purpose. You know, obviously the finger doesn't right. do the same thing my toe does. The arm can't do the same thing the foot does. And it's just That's the eye point. doesn't the eye doesn't do the same thing the ear does. So because God created us all so differently and so unique, um, you know, your personality is going to reach certain people that my personality is not going to reach. You know, uh, the the elderly lady at at the church that is faithful to God and, uh, you know, she could potentially reach somebody or connect with somebody that you and I will never, never even come in contact with. Um, and the same is everybody has different jobs, different abilities, you know, and on the job site or whatever you might, you're going to run into different people I might never meet. And so... I believe that everybody, obviously, we, we all have a calling to be ambassadors for Christ, to be people that share the gospel. And I feel like, obviously, we just read, some people take that lightly. Um, a young man, or well, he's not really young, he's older than I am, but he was uh, he gave a testimony, and he was talking about, he had this friend in Bible college who was very soft-spoken, um, and really kept to himself, uh, but they were best friends. And he used to say, uh, really, whenever there'd be a conversation, uh, his friend would say, seriously, seriously. And so when they were having conversations, you know, that he would ask, seriously, like, are you really serious enough for this? Are, are you really serious? And I, as he was talking about that, that really, I was like, wow, I, I wonder if people ever realize if they're serious about this thing or if they're not. Because right. that, that is, that is, that's, that's the pinnacle. That's, that's the tipping point is how serious you are. Because when Jesus was calling his disciples, he said, forsake everything. Take up your, take up your cross, follow me. Leave everything right. behind. And then there were people, even in those instances, they said, well, let me go bury my father. Let me, let me go say goodbye. Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me go take care of this or tend to this. Or, but, and, and do I think that Jesus was saying that wasn't okay to bid things goodbye? I don't believe so. I think it was that they were making up excuses to not, they just weren't serious enough. Right. You know, there was a, there was a song, and I remember the, the song's title now, but something that Carmen sang years and years ago, and it was 
the one line in the song said sold out the whole route and and that that really has to be every single christian's uh mantra to be sold out for christ i mean there can't be things that come into our lives that distract us and take us off the path uh to his kingdom um you, you stop and think about a couple of different people think of elisha uh when elisha was in the process of of taking the mantle of Elijah, his mentor. Uh, and uh, Elijah even asked him, he says, you know, what is it that you want when I'm gone? And he says, I want a double portion of your spirit, or I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah was honestly, hey, this is a hard thing, but if you're with me when I go. In other words, if you stay committed, if you stay committed, okay, you can't think light of this thing. You can't play games with this thing. You've got to be sold out. And, of course, we know the situation when he took up uh, Elijah's mantle and, and, and uh, you know, after that whole scene goes by, uh, the others, the sons of the prophet said, you know, Elisha is now carrying the mantle of Elijah. He's got the anointing of the Lord on his life. Now, let me just address a thing that you said, because I think that this is so important and I think you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Every single person in the body of Christ, every single Christian across this world who is genuinely, and I'm not talking about Christian-esque people that just go to church on Easter and Christmas, okay? Nothing wrong with that if you do it, but if you're not really serious about God the rest of the year, then there's something, you know, you need to pray. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely a disconnect um, there, yeah. So, so every single person has a function in the body of Christ. We read about this in different places. And, and there is a listing of functional giftings in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Uh, and, and uh, well, let me go back to verse 4, actually, because you mentioned this uh, very br- briefly as you were speaking. It says, for as we have many members in one body, all have members, uh, all members have not the same office. You had mentioned one's a finger, one's a toe, one could be an ear, you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another having and gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then he gives this uh, sevenfold listing here. He says prophecy first. The, the Greek word really reflects insight. Which, and I really think that speaks of intercession. There are numerous people today that believe they are called to be intercessors. And I think that's that's what that is exactly talking about. Out. Uh, these can be lay people. These can be uh, uh, people that are in, you know, pulpit ministry, or, or I'll, I'll say, I'll say, in the ministerial offices. Uh, but be that such as it may, all of us have a function that's going to come uh, under one of these one of these headings, or even one or more of these headings. Uh, but these are just functions. This is this is what we are given to as a Christian. So intercession, I'll just say it that way. He says, let them prophesy in accordance uh, the, to the proportion of faith. But intercession speaks itself to insight and ministry. I had this one intercessor in my last church. You know, because of that lady and how she prayed, man, I stayed walking a straight line. Because the last thing I wanted was for Don to come up to me and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And, it, you, you know, if it was like that, I was concerned it was about me. Where did I get off? Where did I get wrong? You know, what happened? Uh, so, so just going through these things fairly quickly, or ministry, uh, or you know the gift of helps. I think it's the same thing. Uh, or he that teaches on teaching. I think there are people that are gifted to teach. That is my functional gift. 
uh, as a Christian in the body of Christ, uh, or he that exhorteth. There's those people out there that just know how to encourage people because that's the way, that's what God has woven into the very fabric of their being. You know, people that are not even saved will still operate in one of these things. It is absolutely amazing uh, because it's what they do. It's what God's created them for. What they don't realize is that God has created them to do it in the kingdom so yeah. that the kingdom can be furthered and advanced. Uh, another one, giving. There's how many philanthropists are out there that just give away their money or give away their time, right? You know, and they're not even saved or whatever. But I have a couple of them in my church that when the need comes, like especially for Kenya, they will give the very shirts off their back. It's incredible what they will do to try and help in these situations situations financially uh, he that ruleth uh, uh, administration or leadership is very important uh, he that shows mercy or someone who is a caregiver uh, shows compassion let them do it with cheerfulness uh, and and so I think every person in the body of Christ or out has a functional gift that they are going to operate in because God has woven it into the fabric of their being I'm not talking about spiritual gifts I'm talking about our simple function gift that God's created us to do in the body. So when we talk about the call to the ministry, we can't just leave that encapsulated in pulpit ministry. I think it's very important. In fact, uh, it's one of the most all-important things I think there is. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching yeah, right. uh, to save them to believe. Right. You know, I, We can't discount that. But the truth of the matter is, is no matter how well I may be able to convey the message of God uh, through the preached word, there has to be a body set up where that person can integrate and grow and become sustained uh, because uh, even great preaching isn't going to keep you forever. You've, you've, got to, you've got to come out of the, the plant pot, per se, get planted in the garden where God has you and you've got to bloom uh, in that place. Otherwise, you know, you get trodden underfoot. Mm. And and wilt up and die. Wow. It's just the way that God works is just it blows my mind because yeah. he'll the people that he'll bring into the local body of Christ, the, the church, the people that he'll bring in as he's calling people. Um, and, and reaching for souls, and that spirit starts drawing men, you know. Yes. And, and when he starts drawing them, he draws people with specific gifts, specific talents. For instance, um, I have a friend who pastors a church, and uh, it was a, a church that they just planted. Um, so it was just him, his wife, and his kids. And so as you know, and they were really struggling for a while, but they were they kept praying and they kept believing. They kept praying and they kept believing. And they watched as they were doing some outreach. They said, "God, we need we need someone who can who can." Uh, we we got this uh, set of drums delivered. Uh, it was donated, but they didn't have anyone to play the drums. So as they were praying and and they were believing that God would send them someone who could play that drum set in the church service, right? And then, what do you know? Now, they've got a drummer, right? Yeah. And now they've got a second keyboard player. And so they've just sort of been following that model 
uh, of believing and praying. And God has been That's sending fantastic. exactly what they need, right? And you know, and it's really the same, not just with the church body, with our homes and with our own lives. God will give us every single thing we need to accomplish what he has called us to accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's good right there. Uh, wow, there's so much. I don't know how much time we have. I've been looking for a thing on here to see. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're at about 36 minutes, so, I mean, we can okay. roll with it for right, another so, 15. All right, so we're not, we're not in too bad a shape then. Uh, you know, I think it's so important when we realize uh, that every single person has a God-given function. And, and I also think, you know, we could, we could go into, we could go over into first Corinthians and, and look at the spiritual gifts there. You know, I think that's one thing I can't, I can't, uh, speak to any other church, but my own churches, you know, uh, that I've pastored Pentecostal churches that I am unabashedly Pentecostal. I will be that way until the Lord comes in glory or I go by way of the grave, which I, I don't know if that'll happen or not, but. But, uh, you know, that's just that's just the way things are. But we have we have a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same uh, verbiage that's there in First Corinthians chapter 12. He, he says, you are the body of Christ this is verse number 27 and members in particular. Uh, and he, he talks uh, down in verse number uh, 31. He says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Uh, and, and I'll just kind of leave it there so we don't go off into a different into a different vein. But we would, we should really, you know, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, use me in the gifts of the Spirit, and and uh, I'm a very strong believer that that all of the gifts of the Spirit are are able to be used by those who have been uh, who have been filled with the Spirit, and 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 primarily because of verse number eleven. But all these works that one and the self same Spirit dividing every, to every man severally as He wills. So, I mean, it doesn't uh, make a difference. He knows how to get his message across. Uh, and my point in all of that is to say, and again in verse 18, but now God has set members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. Uh, so they're there uh, for their proper function, but there's also a higher place uh, that we can be used by the Spirit uh, to bring an answer to a problem, such as a word of wisdom, uh, to, to bring revelation to a situation in a word of knowledge, uh, to be able to discern between uh, spirits or attitudes uh, or dispositions that come into the church. These things were placed in the body to be used by us so that we could move forward with power and with distinction. Um, and, and, of course, there was miraculous gifts uh, as well, of uh, faith, gifts of faith, to just believe for things. And there has been a few moments in my, my life, I can't say there's been many, but there's been few moments in my life where I absolutely could believe for anything. I just, it, and there, as I said, there were few, but I could sense the presence of the Holy Spirit taking me to a place to believe beyond where I was capable. <clears throat> and, and those were amazing moments about faith, healing, and miracles. I've watched people get healed. I've been healed, Brandon, so many times myself. Oh my goodness! Uh, I remember one particular, one particular. Uh, I, I was in, a, in an accident. Judo is what happened. I was with. We called it white beltitis because it's always the lower grade people that end up hurting you. <laughs> Judo means the gentle way, 
So if everybody's doing it right, nobody's getting hurt. You know, we're taking care of each other, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, had a young fella and we were practicing a specific, a specific kind of, of entrance into a, into a pin and, and he did it wrong. He reached back on my neck, heard a pop in my back and Hey, uh, I didn't have any feeling in my legs and my feet. And my dad came in and he just, he put his hand on me. He whispered a simple little prayer. Uh, and I felt uh, I felt uh, the power of God. I, I wasn't completely healed or anything like that. He took me to the hospital. Uh, they took x-rays. They needed to take a soft tissue x-rays. There was some tearing in the soft tissues around my around my spine, down oh, a little over halfway down my back, not quite in my lower back, kind of the third of the way up, you know. And the next morning, my mom was watching a religious program and uh, all at once, the guy running the program, he stopped. And I have tried and tried and tried over the years to get a copy of that particular program because for me, it's again, it's an anchor point. Uh, th- this man stopped and he says, there's someone you've been called into the ministry just recently. He says, you've had some sort of accident, but God is healing your back right now. And I'm telling you, the fire of God went down my spine. And I stood up and I danced and I shouted and went upstairs and came down. My mom's dancing in the Holy Ghost in the kitchen. I mean, in the living room there. Uh, it was a phenomenal experience. And these are what I'm talking about, these experiential things. Uh, and, and let me just say this. Thank you, Lord. We have to be careful never to subject our theology to an interpretation of our, our experience because you've gotten f- – Far too many people out there, and forgive me for using this term, but I'm going to use this term, parking lot prophets, uh, people that uh, think that they have something. I would equate them to the seven sons of Sceva in, in, in the book of Acts, where they said, hey, they thought they were going to go into an exorcism ministry. They weren't saved. They didn't have the Holy Ghost in their life. Therefore, they're completely devoid of any real uh, divine power. And as a result of that, what ended up happening was one day tried to do the exorcism. We adjure you uh, by Jesus Christ, whom Paul preached. Well, first of all, they weren't out there in the authority of Christ. They just heard a few things that, hey, it worked for Paul. Maybe it'll work for us. Yeah. You know, they're in this to make money. They're complete charlatans. And we know from that passage of scripture that the demons attacked them, stripped all their clothes off and sent them out, you know, naked and shamefully handled the Bible said. So, so, uh, when we find ourselves in these places where God is using us, uh, there is a sweet surrender that takes place. Uh, and, and it's almost a, a tension between what is divine and what is human. And we have to leave what is natural to embrace the supernatural. And when that begins to happen in our lives, then we really understand uh, how this thing works. Not necessarily because uh, we have come to a place of understanding per se, but we've come to a place where where uh, we've learned to surrender in that moment so that he can use us. And what an awesome responsibility uh, it is in that place. Uh, to be used by God. But I say these things about this and from these scriptures for us to realize every single person can be used by God and therefore have a ministry in and of itself. You know, there's people that 
that have been gifted in certain ways to use different kinds of ministry, and I'm not going to find fault or fall out with any of that. But the truth of the matter is, is let's not limit God and how he's able to use us, but let us find ourselves in that place where we can, I, I, I called it, uh, I remember the first time really preaching on this subject and teaching on this subject, uh, I called it the gift of availability, where you just make yourself available to the Lord so that he can use you in some fashion. This is this is where I think the vast majority of the body of Christ has lost touch with the Great Commission. Because uh, what is the Great Commission? But for us to go and make disciples. Yeah. He didn't say get people saved. And yes, he did say preach the gospel to all creatures. But it's more than that. It's to make disciples so that people can come not only to the saving knowledge of Christ, but to go on into a place where uh, they can experience uh, a growing relationship with God that takes them to new heights. Brandon, I never would have thought in a million years, even 10 years ago, that I would end up going to an African nation, the nation of Kenya, and doing the kind of ministry that I did this uh, the first 18 days of the month of March of this year. It was, I don't want to say it was insane, but that's the only word that comes to mind. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. God had opened so many doors for me. Uh, and and uh, he just used me in ways that I just never even thought possible. And I want to tell you, that's there for every single Christian who will give themselves to uh, to God uh, in a way that, that uh, is really a total surrender uh, kind of moment. We are all called. The reason that so few are chosen, and you're absolutely right, is because we make light of it. We disobey because you said it, it's about obedience. It really is about obedience. God, where he leads me, I will follow the old Amen. song said. Yeah, right. And, and and we don't know where he'll lead us. What did you think Ananias was thinking just in his heart? We get a few, a few words. And I mean, he's literally telling God, God, time out. Hold on. This guy, he's killing folks. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to go talk to him. But Jesus looked at him and said, Ananias, he is a chosen vessel to me. And I need to show him how much he's going to have to suffer for my sake. And we know the things that the apostle Paul went through. Uh, but through all those things that he went through, he also penned at least 13 books of the New Testament that we have today. It's just absolutely amazing. And there's no, and I, let me just say it this way, uh, continue with that same vein uh, of thought. I don't believe that Paul thought in actuality that he would amount to much in the kingdom. I think he was just doing his level best to be obedient to the call that Christ gave him. And I think that's what makes us the chosen, because we make the real effort to step beyond the boundaries of our natural abilities and just say, here I am, Lord, send me. Yeah. So the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, not everybody that gets called by God is into a specific uh, role of spiritual leadership um, in the ministry with a burning bush experience but we will always like you said there always has to be an experience you know it is god that calls us um because to be honest it's not for the faint of heart it's not for people that are just looking for an avenue to make money or it's just not 
because there's just so much that goes into it. Um, there, you, you literally have to put yourself. Your li- it's and it's just like uh, when you're a supervisor for a business, you have to invest yourself in what you're preaching and in that community that God has placed you. Because if it's going to function the way God wants it to, you have to do that. Right. There has to be that 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 passion and that desire, and that just doesn't come from anywhere. And God, oh, that's right. God, God puts that in us. So when when people have these dreams of of being business owners or starting starting businesses, God God put that in people. We that didn't just that didn't originate here. God instilled that in them. And so right. it is the same way in the church. God instills the calling into ministry into our lives. And it's something that we can't get away from. And what I find right. is that people that run from God, and maybe you can attest to this because I've been there. When you're running from God, you are miserable. <laughs> That's the truth. Because you know. You know what you're supposed to do, and I'm sure it's exactly how Jonah felt when he was running from the call to go preach repentance to the to the Ninevites. Right, absolutely right. And uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, we're not always going to have a burning bush experience, but we always still have to have that initial experience where 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 we know. And you refer to them as anchor points, where you know without a shadow of a doubt that God called you. And if you just remember back to those moments, that's what will right. keep you continuing on that path of, of of leading people in the ministry. Well, you mentioned Jonah. I mean, just think about his situation. He tried to run from God. He got in the boat. He was going completely the wrong direction, apparently. And the Lord caused that great wind and storm to come up upon the uh, upon the boat, and he had to resign uh, any person that's called in the ministry, even though Jonah had a horrible attitude towards the Ninevites. Uh, and, and there's probably a thousand reasons for all that that we don't even know, but, but by virtue of the fact that he had some level of burden and compassion for the men uh, on that boat, because he came clean with them and says, listen, uh, I, I have been called by God and I have run. You need to throw me overboard. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to be saved from this. Uh, it's my fault. He had to take personal responsibility. And then, I mean, all of what Jonah went through, I mean, we think of it as a great Sunday school story, but the truth of the matter is it was a very real experience for this man of God who got in his flesh and didn't want to go had his own mindset. No, I'm out of here. And well, you know, God knows how to chase us down. That's a, such a great, that's a great thing too. But, but uh, you know, he gave himself, he gave himself finally over to what God wanted, but not before he had to realize. I mean, he had to get thrown overboard in the deep. He had to get swallowed by that great fish. Yeah. You know, he says, you know, in the depths of, you know, of of the sea, he. He found himself dead almost, you know, uh, and uh, so in three days in the belly of a fish, I don't know if he was laying in the digestive juices. I'm pretty sure it bleached him pretty white. <laughs> so, you know, he gets up on the land and then meets his way to Nineveh uh, and then shows up and tells him 40 days. And they took him by surprise. Uh, but 
that's that's some and that's something too i think that god does for us or does through us sometimes it takes us by surprise uh we don't always know what our ministry is going to do whether we're in leadership ministry like you mentioned and i don't know let me just touch that just very briefly you know people see the glitz and the glamour of being a leader or a pastor or a bishop or whatever the case what your title might be but the truth of the matter remains is that is a very small part. It is an integral part, but it's still a very small part. You're talking about someone who's called to be a mouthpiece for God. So he speaks or she speaks on, on the Lord's behalf and 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 uh, declares uh, the word of the Lord. But that's one part of it. Who's going to be the hands that's going to help people up, right. you know, down in the trenches, so to speak? Who's going to be... Uh, the legs that carry that person along when they're not able to carry themselves. You know, who's going to be that encouraging voice when the pastor's not available because he's over on the other side of the state doing a funeral? You know, there have to be those people set in place. Ministry is not always what we see or what we equate it to be uh, with that pulpit. It, it really, the harder work of ministry uh, is where there's where there's body ministry. And and that body ministry is absolutely indispensable. But that falls, too, on obedience. Are we going to do what God has created us to function as? And are we going to have the faith to be used by him at that break point when, you know, when when everything seems to be going wrong in life? Are we going to be able to be used by Wow. Ministry is really all over the place. It's not just what we see or equate right. uh, in that pulpit Sunday after Sunday. Right. I, <laughs> I myself, I feel like I have been blessed by this uh, th- this discussion, this episode, and uh, I believe that the people that uh, take the opportunity and the time to tune in, and they're just going to be, they're going to be blown away because, and this may be things that they've heard before. Uh, maybe it hasn't, and maybe this will just give them a fresh perspective on the way that they're approaching ministry or the desire to go into ministry. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would encourage anyone uh, that is aspiring ministry at any level, and when I say that, I mean uh, you might be a brand new person in your church. Talk to your pastor find out who the activities director is in the church who you know handles those kind of scheduling things if it's a good church he doesn't do all that there's somebody else in ministry that takes care of that part for him uh it's so important to find yourself a job and i think that's, that's one of the two basic things we need uh in every single church is when people come into the church we need to find them two things we need to find them a friend we need to find them a job to do um, and there's always stuff that has to be done in and about the church, you know, that's going to fall into someone's purview. Um, and, and, uh, if they'll do those things and really commit to, uh, learning and growing and being a part of that local body, there's, there's no end, uh, to what can possibly happen with them. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Um, I'm I'm very looking forward to uh, how this podcast is going to affect those that hear. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website. 
in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.